Kawabunga and Buyakasha. Welcome to Under the Bridge. Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, aka the Scarlet Troll. And I'm Greg, aka Greg. And it's a Ninja Turtles week where I actually don't have all that much Ninja Turtle stuff. But we did see Mutant Mayhem. Yes, indeed. And we'll talk about that later. So as a potential starting point, if I decided to cut the bit of little gaming-adjacent news, mm. we did get a little tease of a potential Spider-Man story coming up in comics, but I'm gonna hold until we have confirmation that that's what it is. But okay. I did just want to shoot my shot, much like Spider-Man if the rumor pans out, wink wink. Oh no. <laughs> well, okay, so it's it seems like they're teasing a sequel to Spider-Man Reign. Dare I ask, what is Spider-Man Reign? Spider-Man Reign is a, is I haven't read it, but as I understand it, I know about the most notable part of the whole thing, or at least what fans have latched onto as the most notable thing. It's an alternate universe Spider-Man take, where Mary Jane died... Because, nope, hold on. <laughs> Did you look it up, or are you just laughing at no, anticipation? No, I'm just laughing at that. <laughs> it's just like, Jesus Christ. Uh, continue. <laughs> In which Mary Jane apparently dies because exposure to Peter's radioactive fluids. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. <laughs> gave her cancer. What, if the dad jokes weren't cancerous enough? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, apparently... Jeez, okay, what the... Oh, I am genuinely speechless at that. Right, and I mean, <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to look more into Spider-Man Reign, but just the fact that somebody inserted that... Yeah, it's, it's, I know we've joked about it before, but it, it really is just to think of, man, these people are getting creative with the ways they're trying to keep Peter Parker miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny, I'm pretty sure after Spider-Man Reign came out, there was a whole bit where, I think it was during Spider-Island, they decided to go out of their way to establish that Reign wouldn't happen by having, because uh, the whole premise of Spider-Island is New York gets basically, like, infected with spider powers, but they're all gonna mutate horribly, and Mary Jane ends up actually having a delayed reaction because she's built up something of immunity because of all the time spent with Peter. So a total reversal. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, really funny. Mo most of my feelings <laughs> for it are not good. <laughs> nah. I'm honest. Nah, so we'll we'll see how this goes. I wonder if this is going to be like a sequel, or if it's going to be a thing of maybe Spider-Man killed somebody else. Mm. And for the people wondering, I'm, <laughs> I'm not necessarily laughing, wasn't laughing at Mary Jane being dead. It's just the whole thing of how that's the introduction of like, what's going on? Well, insert new way for Peter Parker to be miserable. Mary right. Jane is fucking dead. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you should have picked a better phrase. What did you think was going to happen? You think I was just going to let it lie? Oh, no. Oh, I regret my word choice as well. Uh, oh, that's so... just so miserable. <laughs> yeah, no. Welcome to being a Spider-Man fan. Mm. Anyways, yeah, uh, you know what? Let me know in the comments. <laughs> what What is Spider-Man Reign besides that? I know there's more. I just... I'm not overly familiar with it. I just know that one part. I mean, if I'm honest, that one part does not... Okay, that one part both enthuses me but also does not enthuse me to read it it's kind of like some of the manga that i've read that i some of which i have bookmarked where it's like this is bad but i can't stop reading i have to know how much worse this gets <laughs> yeah i could see that <laughs> i could see it with the with a premise like that or at least maybe not the premise but if that's like one of the major sticking points of the whole thing that is one of those things where i just like God, I would feel like this would be something where if I read it religiously, it would be a hate read. <laughs> <laughs> Just be like, this is miserable, but I can't stop reading. I have to see how much worse it gets. <laughs> yeah, so let me know in the comments. Like, comment, subscribe while you're at it. I'm going to mm -hmm. do this relatively upfront. Right. Gonna get a plug for likes. <laughs> or subscribes or shares or whatever. Spread it around. Spread the word. Spread the likes around, not Peter Parker's... Um, <laughs> infected <laughs> fluids. <laughs> you don't want to get that Mary Jane cancer. 
Oh, God. Jesus Christ, I can't believe this. That's fucking awful. I yeah, love it. Yeah, it is. Let's move on. This is weird. But, it's, but it still feels like it's better than what I, what, what I originally opened with. Right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, here's one that you'll appreciate and also be astounded by, probably. Oh, boy. Lin-Manuel Miranda is uh, apparently adapting his next full-stage musical after Hamilton. Oh, really? And it's a stage musical version of The Warriors. Really? Yes. All right, you have my undivided attention. <laughs> Same? Yeah. Same. I mean, I liked Hamilton, but The Warriors. The War, yeah. Which is a movie I need to rewatch at some point. <laughs> I remember the first time I watched it, it's like, I like this movie, but I feel like I need to rewatch it to get more out of it. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of West Side Story without all the romance, so I yeah. guess I can get behind it. Was there romance in that? I think there was, but it definitely wasn't central to the plot. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't It wasn't Romeo and Juliet with a new coat of paint. Yeah. I need to rewatch that. <laughs> Especially now. Y- yeah. <laughs> My god. Yeah, what an announcement. Right? I mean, obviously he's been doing other stuff in between, but this is his first, like, actual musical since Hamilton. The first full musical. Right. If they, if they put that in theaters, I know they won't. But if, if they recorded a production and put it in theaters, I'd watch the fuck out of that. Yeah, same, honestly. I got some news that is not of the best variety. Oh, boy. And uh, it is that, apparently, in an exclusive interview with ComicBook.com, Gal Gadot seems to have confirmed that uh, she is still working on Wonder Woman 3 as part of the new DCU. How? Like, with the strikes and all that, how is that happening? <laughs> well, not, it was before, it was before the strike. When oh, it was said. okay, gotcha, alright. But what she said was, I love portraying Wonder Woman, it's so close to and dear to my heart, from what I heard from James and from Peter is that we're gonna develop a Wonder Woman 3 together, which, ah, keeping I... Peacemaker wasn't worth it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I renounce my wish! <laughs> we can drop Peacemaker, we can drop the Suicide Squad. Start over. I feel like if there's any crew that's going to make be able to make a like fully good Wonder Woman, even though I do think that the original, the first Wonder Woman with Gal Gadot was a good time, it would probably be this crew. It can't be any worse. Th- oh, actually, no, I'm not going to wish. It that could out. be worse <laughs> than '84, and that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, if you're doing a Wonder Woman three specifically, that means that '84 happened. Which means, what's the fucking point of doing a reboot if you're not going to get rid of the bad shit? Right. And also, how fucking stupid is it to recast Superman and Batman and keep the same Wonder Woman? Hmm. Don't get me wrong, Gal Gadot is not a terrible Wonder Woman, but after 84 and the last two cameos, and just having her standing there smirking while... (laughs) If I never hear that again in my life, I'll still die haunted. I wonder if they'll have Junkie XL do a different version of her theme. Just make a new one. Or make a new one. Make a goddamn new one. No, this is... not great. I... I feel like if you're going to do a reboot of any kind that has any kind of meaning, you at least have to recast the big players. Right. Like, the whole Justice League needs to be a mulligan. Hmm. And if if you're not doing that, then there's no point in calling it a reboot. Yeah, no. Like you said, it's like, okay, we still have a bunch of the original cast here, so... Or, I don't know, maybe... I could see them trying to pull a reboot if it's a thing like, hey, we have the original cast and a whole bunch of other new people. It just feels indecisive. Mm. And also, again, like, again, I was all for a soft reboot if it meant keeping Peacemaker and them, but now, <laughs> no. No, not so much. Just burn it all. Start again. <laughs> I'm really sorry that it had to happen at this time, but, like, no more Gal Gadot Wonder Woman, no more Ezra Miller Flash, no more Jason Momoa Aquaman. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a fresh start, do a goddamn fresh start. Yeah. Huh. So, we'll see how this goes, I guess. <laughs> Maybe, who knows, 
Maybe it's not actually a Wonder Woman 3, but the point still stands. I feel like, at the very least, if you're gonna recast two-thirds of the Trinity, you might as well recast the entire Trinity. You might yeah. as well recast the entire fucking League. Yeah. Yeah, 100% at that point. Because otherwise it's just... <sighs> frustrating is what it is. Mm -hmm. And then I got a minor update on the Jonathan Majors trial. Okay. So, the trial was supposed to start on Thursday. The prosecution said it wasn't ready because it's still obtaining discovery. What? That's a legal term. Okay, I thought you... I was like, wait, is something going on with discovery that we don't know about? <laughs> Alright, So, a new trial date's been set for September 6th. Okay. Yeah, there's something going around saying that it's because his accuser has fled the country and... Well, huh? I, I, I haven't seen any actual substantiation of that, though. Yeah. So, just in case that is true, I just wanted to throw it out there, but I'm not seeing any of the major outlets reporting that particular bit of the news. That would be a hell of a thing if it was true, though. Or if it As of this time. Out. As of yeah, this time. This whole thing is a fucking roller coaster, and I just want to get off. Yeah. After the whole Rolling Stone thing, I was like, I don't fucking... And yet here I am talking about it, so... <laughs> eh. Joke's on me, I suppose. That's journalism for you? Dot, dot, dot? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Hmm. And now let's let's skip early, very early into that famous segment. Pay your writers. <laughs> do, 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 do. Pay your fucking writers. And now actors. All right. So there were talks between the WGA and AMPTP this Friday. Okay. And those talks did not lead anywhere. Not surprised. Yeah. Apparently, the WGA chief negotiator Ellen Stutzman and WGA West General Counsel Tony Segal went to a meeting on Friday at the AMPTP headquarters. They made it clear the Guild will not bend on proposals to establish minimum staffing levels in episodic TV and a guaranteed minimum number of weeks of employment. The AMPTP responded with, those are non-starters, so... <laughs> of yep. course. And also, Stutzman and Sagal indicated that even if the WGA gets a deal... Writers still want to honor all picket lines, which means that even if they get what they want, they still want to keep going until the SAG after gets what they want. Okay. Which is nice. Yeah, it's at least, I mean, I it's, it was kind of implied, I felt like, but at least does reaffirm. It's like, no, we're still in solidarity with SAG after because they're also getting effed in the A right now. So we want to make sure that everyone gets what they need to get. Yep. This one's fun. According to the union... CEO of the AMPTP, Carol Lombardini, said three times during the meeting, people just want to get back to work. And then the union replied, we agree, with the caveat that those conditions that have made writers' jobs increasingly untenable must first be addressed. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, fuck the studios, frankly. Mm -hmm. Especially when you consider this little extra piece. Okay. Apparently, during the filming of WandaVision... They did body scans of the background extras. Oh no. <laughs> and allegedly, they were never told how or if those digital avatars would be used. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, that's, that's not good. <laughs> that was, I remember that being one of the sticking points that got SAG after the go on strike, too. So, yep. oof. Alright, they're doing it. That is unfortunate. Now, apparently studios are saying, oh, no, we'd only use it for projects the performer was hired for, not indefinite future projects. Like, you still see where that's... Yeah, you, there's still a slippery slope there. And not just that, you see where that's still taking work away from the people, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because apparently they're only paying them one day's pay for that scan. Yep. Again, that was one part of, like, that particular talking point when SAG after went on strike. It was the whole thing of... You know, we'll scan them, pay them for the day, and then it's like, we could potentially use these avatars whenever we want. And it's like, no, that's extremely shitty. <laughs> that's actual fucking robbery. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's actual goddamn identity theft. Yeah. <laughs> and not the and not the financial kind, just straight up. It's like, we are stealing your identity to make make it easier for us to make our movies. Boy, when you say it like that, it really does highlight how dirty this whole thing is, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Huh. So see how that pans out. Yeah, no. And then, in another bit of good news, 
just fresh off the presses today. Oh boy. A supermajority of Marvel's more than 50 worker VFX crew had signed authorization cards indicating they wished to be represented by the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. So VFX workers at Marvel are voting to unionize. Oh boy. Yeah. Good. Yes, very. Especially with all the horror stories about how things have been going lately. Mm-hmm. I know not all of them have been Marvel, but still. Yeah, not all of them have been Marvel, but I feel like enough horror stories, enough among studios have been passed around to make people go, all right, I think we need to start protecting ourselves. And it sounds like Marvel certainly hasn't been doing enough to keep it from happening, so... Yeah. So that's good, because apparently turnaround times don't apply to them, neither do protected hours, neither do, neither does pay equity. Really? Yeah. Huh. Awful. Yeah, that's that's actually ridiculous. Especially considering how much VFX is done on films nowadays. Oh yeah, especially considering, for lack of better descriptor, the kind of movies that Marvel puts out. Right? They are the kind of movies that, I won't necessarily go out of my way to say, like, VFX is mandatory, but I'd say more often than not, the genre does necessitate it. Quantumania feels like it was like 80% green screen. Mm-hmm. 80% just filmed in the volume. Yeah. That is insane. <laughs> that we were like, all of that when it comes to their VFX artists, like, I'd say, I'd argue that I'm, alongside the writers, of course, that's like one of the more important positions or crews that you have access to. So you definitely want to make sure they're happy. Remember when She-Hulk made, oh wait, you wouldn't because you haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> there was a bit where She-Hulk kind of sort of made fun of it, but not quite. Like, they didn't make light of things. They were just like, when, when she breaks into the Nexus and meets Kevin, the robot, mm -hmm. he goes, okay, but first I need you to transform back into Jen. Why? <laughs> because the CGI is expensive, and the production, and the VFX team is already working on another project. Wakanda Forever theme plays. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was pretty good. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Although also helps illustrate how the release windows for these projects only complicate the issue. Yeah. Let's go to trailer time. Let's go to trailer time. It's trailer time again! We've got movie previews to watch! It's trailer time again! So we got a little bitty, not, not much of the thing for Ahsoka, not gonna bother. Mm -hmm. We also got a trailer for I Am Groot Season 2, which I knew was coming, but had completely forgotten about, and now I'm kind of disappointed. You know what? It was one of those things where I saw this pop up on my feed, and I was like, I didn't even know they were talking about making a season two. I thought it was just a one and done type of deal. No, I knew a season two was coming. I just now that Guardians three is out. Yeah, I'm kind of upset. That was my takeaway when I not to the same degree, but that was kind of one of the issues I had as I was watching it. Is like this looks adorable, but the problem is that Guardians three happened. <laughs> And I know this is set before Guardians 3, obviously. It's set between Guardians 2 and Infinity War. Mm hmm But it would be... And this is going to sound weird, but it would be one thing if we knew there was going to be a Guardians 4 and we were going to keep following this team. Mm hmm But with that up in the air, if Guardians 3 was the last Guardians movie, you should have just stopped doing Guardians-adjacent stuff. Yeah. I mean, you could still do, like, a Star-Lord thing, or maybe a Rocket and Groot thing here and there. Mm-hmm. But this soon after Guardians 3 just came out, it just feels... You might as well have released it before Guardians 3. Yeah, honestly. Or just not bothered. Yeah, my thing is, because like I said, like I was like, okay, Guardians 3 exists, and to that end, alright, I know this takes place well before that, but at the same time, knowing what happens with this character too, it's like... Why would I sit down to watch this? Other than it looks cute? Also, can I just say the space ice cream truck makes me irrationally angry? That was jarring. Why does that <laughs> exist? Why is that a thing? How does ice cream work in space? <laughs> How do you do that transaction? Yeah. <laughs> does somebody just come out in a spacesuit and get the ice cream and then bring it back in? The this sounds tedious. Yeah, what's funny about it is that I... I don't, I know, like, it was kind of written in an alien language, but I'm pretty sure, like, the neon sign on top of the truck that was underneath the neon ice cream cone was supposed to make people's brains fill in so it says, like, soft serve. <laughs> yeah, because that's what happened to me, at least. Um, but, like, otherwise, I'm, 
the fact that it's an actual ice cream truck with the ice cream truck jingle and all, it was like, wow, I think this is the fastest I've ever had my suspension of disbelief broken in a trailer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I know this is just a dumb little fun shorts for kids. I know. Mm. It, it still bugs me, though. Yeah, same. Got a little glimpse of the Watcher, though. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wonder if he's gonna show up in actual Jeffrey Wright form. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. I do like the bit where he gets his where he gets a nose though. <laughs> that was cursed. <laughs> <laughs> it looks wrong, and I like it. Especially like the little bit at the end when he smiles is like, oh, that is some cursed shit right there. <laughs> and apparently, it gave him a. Did he just not have a sense of smell? Yeah, I don't. That was what I was thinking too. It's like, okay, so were you not able to smell before you got this nose? Like, you don't have ears either. Yeah. Does that mean you can't hear? <laughs> this poses more questions than I really want to know. Yeah, it poses a lot more questions than it does give answers. Anyway, September 6th, all five shorts drop. Oh, so you're just releasing them all at once? Yep, just like the first batch. Okay. I like the first batch. Mm-hmm. This just feels unnecessary. Right. I just got that image of Thor in Endgame, like, hugging Rocket. Rocket, no, no, this, this is not necessary. <laughs> We also got a trailer for... I feel like we should save one until the end. So, you know what? Let's talk about the kill room. I... Uh, I don't dislike this one. But if it wasn't for the cast, you wouldn't give a shit? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because the vibe I got from this trailer, so I was trying to do this thing of being continuously like increasing tension, but still between, like, the sound and the music and the vibe of the trailer still be, like, subdued the entire way. And it's very weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange, mellow vibe. Mm -hmm. Where, unfortunately, it also kind of makes it feel not the slightest bit tense. Yeah, that was part of the takeaway from it, too, because it's like, they're talking about... Because the, the whole thing basically centers around fraud and all that, and it's like, it's... And we see people actually get murdered in the trailer, but... It's weird because, like, you see someone get murdered in the beginning, and then the majority of the trailer happens, and then at the very end, you see someone else get murdered, too, and then the character goes, it's like, oh, wait, I wasn't expecting people to get murdered. It's like, that's right! This is a part of this movie, apparently! Yeah! <laughs> it's amazing how quick I forgot! Yeah, it's like, this isn't just about someone making shitty art <laughs> and making millions of dollars off of it in an effort to, like, I don't know, defraud the IRS or something like that. It's like, wait, there's actual murder shit in yeah, there, too. Yeah, where's the actual fraud here? Yeah. I... <laughs> it's amazing that the, the entirety of the trailer, especially, like, just made me forget that people actually die in this. It's just like, huh, I don't know if that's impressive or damning. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'll probably see it if I if it has an opening because I think it comes out the same weekend as Saw Ten and Paw Patrol, which means I don't know if it's wide releasing. As I say, that is not a hard decision. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather watch that than either of those. Mm -hmm. I am now three movies into Saw. Well, I guess four if you count Spiral. Oh, okay. And I don't think I need to watch any more. That's fair. I feel especially because it's set between one and two. Mm-hmm. Did I already quote the one bit from the trailer where Uma Thurman goes, did you just mansplain the concept of money laundering? No, but I did think that was very funny. I like that one. <laughs> that was very good. That was that was good. That's about the only thing I remember, mm. dialogue-wise. <laughs> Wait. No, that's it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Dick's the musical. This looks like a treat. <laughs> this looks like I'm going to hate love it. No, I was thinking that too, like as it was going, especially at the bit in the middle where the two lead actors go, oh my god, we're twins. We're identical fucking twins. I was like, okay, this is either going to be something where I absolutely love it or I hate every second of it. And I don't think there's going to be any middle ground whatsoever. <laughs> this is going to be a very hard sell. Yeah. <laughs> On the characters, at least. Yeah. But Nathan Lane's in it, though. I like him a lot. Nathan Lane's in it. I, I... Queer as a $3 bill and just as thin. <laughs> <laughs> as he said. I don't know why, because I know she's done a few acting roles already, but I was still kind of surprised to see Megan Thee Stallion. 
I feel like... Uh, it's Megan the Stallion. I don't care. Well, you should. <laughs> she was also in She-Hulk. Oh, that's right, she was. Yeah! She's she's the source of that twerking gif that everybody got mad at, and by everybody I mean <laughs> you know who. Yeah, the, exactly the, the, the crowd that is mad that a She-Hulk series exists. And I'll admit right. to a light bit of disappointment at how it was handled, not the twerking, but I don't really have an opinion. But <laughs> God fucking damn it! Right. This, oh no, the She-Hulk show is She-Hulk show is not action oriented. Oh boy. <laughs> God fucking damn it! What a goddamn travesty! I'd never <laughs> engage with an actual human being in my life! Yeah, for real. <laughs> huh. I think this is her first actual movie, though. I was getting ready to say that. It's like, I guess I know she's had a bunch of... She's been in, like, at least what it seems like a bunch of smaller things, but I think they've been most concentrated, like, one-off appearances in, like, TV or maybe tiny things in movies. Nope, looks like this is the first movie. Oh, okay, yeah. It's... I did think it's like, I think this is the highest production thing Megan the Stallion, the Stallion has ever been in. Thank you. And it's, it's <laughs> and it's a full-on movie, and she's a main character. Okay. This is interesting as hell. It's actually pretty funny, despite the fact that I want to strangle the two main characters. <laughs> yeah. I. <laughs> so you're a lady boss. Huh. It really is the year that it currently is. Yeah, no, I, I have a feeling that our main characters are also going to be the antagonists. <laughs> at least on a personal level, because I was like, even though I was like, this looks like a good time, I'm looking at these two chocolate fox, and I'm like, I already hate you. <laughs> oh, you meant in the Walter White sense, not in the there's an actual decoy protagonist. <laughs> okay. Oh god, I just read the plot summary on Wikipedia, the little two, the little one-sentence synopsis. Uh, oh boy. And I didn't get this impression at all. Two business adversaries who realize their identical twin brothers decide to switch places to reunite their divorced parents so they all can become an actual family again. I got the one to be a family again. I didn't get to switch places. What is this shit? Prince and the Pauper? Yeah. Is this the parent trap? <laughs> With a lot more tits and ass. <laughs> Jesus. Mm. Anyways, I am looking forward to this, though. In a... Oh, also September 20th. Wait a minute. Did I get the Kill Rooms release date mixed up? No, also September 29th. Oh. Mm. This just got complicated. That's unfortunate. Showtime's permitting. This just got complicated. I mean... How funny would it be if Saw Patrol... Like, studios are trying to push this whole stupid <laughs> fucking Saw Patrol bit, where it's, yeah. it, it's, it's Saw 10 and Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie, which we saw a preview for in front of Ninja Turtles, and it looks fucking awful. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's for kids. But it still looks awful. Yeah. Except for the bad guy named Humdinger. I want to know what his deal is. <laughs> but, no, how funny would it be if, if if the studios are trying to hype up Saw Patrol, and then that weekend comes out, and we manage to see two movies, and neither of them are those? <laughs> I feel like that's more than likely. I guess we'll see. Yes. Let's go to box office. Oh, boy. How long ago did we see Barbie? It's been a couple three, weeks, right? Three weeks ago, I think? I want to say two? Hmm. I know it was Barbenheimer, and then I think Talk to Me. Yes. Talk to Me feels like it was two weeks ago already. Yeah, that's why I said I think it's been three weeks since Barbenheimer. But Talk to Me's only been one week. Hmm. Point is... Australia time. Yeah. Point is, <laughs> highest grossing movie this weekend domestically was Barbie. Mm -hmm. 53 million domestic, it's sitting at $459.3 million domestically in total, and a $1.03 billion worldwide total. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, it's made a barbillion dollars. I... <laughs> I want to say that with it making a billion dollars, Greta Gerwig also now has the accolade of, of having a, the highest grossing movie done by a female director. Solely by a female director. Solely by a female director. But you are correct. Hmm. And it's also the second highest grossing movie of this year. Oh, that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, right behind... Well, I should say right behind, because there's like a $300 million difference, but it is behind Mario Brothers. Oh, okay. I don't think it's going to catch up. I don't see it catching up to Mario. I think it's probably going to drop off a little bit, but we'll see. It really depends on when the digital release date is. Right. I might have to go see that again. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, second place... Meg 2, The Trench. 
Really? Yep, $30 million domestic weekend and total for a $145.7 million worldwide total against a $129 million budget. Oh, okay, so, well, if that continues, they are probably going to at least break even. Yeah, I expect a pretty steep drop-off in the second... Well, then again, not much is coming out this next weekend, so it could still Mm. perform. Okay. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I didn't see this one. I watched the first Meg just the other night, and I lost pretty much most of my desire to see the Meg 2. <laughs> Fantastic. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's better than Sharknado. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it is up there. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that. It's just in a weird spot where it's, you know, it's it's taking itself more seriously than Sharknado, which is good, but it also feels less entertaining because of that. Hmm. You know? Yeah, no, it I just kind of feels bland, except for the giant shark. <laughs> and frustrating and tedious. Right. Anyways, this isn't about either. This isn't about the first Meg. We'll see what happens with Meg to the trench. Third place was Oppenheimer, and it's good. I, I'm just gonna point out this is a very close race for second, third, and fourth because Meg two made thirty million, right? Mm-hmm. Oppenheimer twenty nine point one million. Okay. For a $228.9 million domestic total and $556.1 million worldwide. Right Alrighty. right behind it in fourth place, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Okay. $28 million domestic weekend. But because it released on a Wednesday, it's actually sitting at $43 million domestic total. $51.5 million worldwide. Its budget is 70 though. Okay. So it's still got a ways to go. Yeah. And then in fifth place, it's Haunted Mansion, nine point two million domestically this weekend for a forty-two point two million dollar domestic total, sitting at sixty point two million dollars worldwide against a one hundred fifty million dollar budget. So don't feel too bad, Ninja Turtles. Mm. You'll at least catch up to your marketing budget or to your production <laughs> budget. Yeah, no. Oof. My God. Let's talk turtles. Let's talk turtles. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. What a mouthful. Came out this weekend, obviously. We saw it. We just talked about it. We just talked about how it did. This is a new iteration. It's animated, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it's about the turtles wanting to be part of the larger world above them, having lived in the sewers their entire life with their overprotective dad, Splinter. Right. And them meeting April and things going from there. Yeah. And I like it. It's a good time. It is not my favorite Ninja Turtles movie because the 90s one still has a bigger spot in my heart. Mm-hmm. However, I will say a very strong advantage that this one has, the turtles look, act, and feel more like teenagers. Yes. Part of this is obviously because they are voiced by teenagers. Who all are pretty fun to listen to. They are fun to listen to. And as a result, Partly because of that, but also partly because of the writing and because from it sounds like they were allowed to go off the script a little bit and do some improv. Mm -hmm. They feel like teenagers, not like adults who occasionally use what writers think teenage slang sounds like. (laughs) Yeah, if I remember correctly, I remember reading a few articles saying, like Seth Rogen basically said there were times during the recording process where they, normally when it comes to voice recording or voice acting, everyone has their own booth and they just sit in their own booth. Apparently, like, on more than one occasion, Seth Rogen actually had all four of them just sit in a room, took away the script, and it's like, and from from what I imagine from that, basically said, all right, this is kind of what's going on, just talk, and just bounce off each other. And there are definitely, like, a lot of moments in the movie that show that. <laughs> there is one, and I'll get to it in spoilers, but there is one in particular where I saw it, I laughed at it, I went home, and as I'm lying in bed, my brain goes, Hey, you asleep? I'm trying not to be, why? Did that actually happen? (laughs) The fuck do you mean, did it happen? I saw it. Yeah, but did we make that up? I feel like we might have made it up. Can we check with Greg? And that's why the next day I asked you if that was actually a thing. Because for the life of me, I started to wonder if maybe I'd made it up. To be fair, considering what it is, I could understand why you were just like, did I imagine that happened? (laughs) Yeah. Especially with it going on for a bit, too. (laughs) Also, uh, some good news about the production of this movie. 
Mm-hmm. According to Jeff Rowe, the director, Seth Rogen helped him ensure the animators on the film were not overworked and suffering. Good. Thank you for doing the minimum. <laughs> yeah. He got feedback directly from the film's animators about what would make them most comfortable. Some wanted to work three days a week, some asked to work remotely, and he said, we'd be like, great, let's figure that out, let's accommodate that, because that's your process, and that's what leads you to make your best art. And oh, we okay. would often do that with most of the team, and just try to make sure everyone always felt supported. I never want the team to be suffering more than I am. <laughs> God, that's... <laughs> that's one of those things where it's just like, you kind of go, it's like, that's good, a good mindset, but also, are you doing okay, dog? <laughs> and I also hopefully am suffering more than the team because I'm the captain and I'm paid to absorb that, and they're not. It's important to preserve that. People just do okay. better work when they're rested and have home lives, which... Yes, yes I hope do. this is true, because you mm. cannot... And no offense, Mr. Rowe, it's nothing against you. It's not that I doubt you, I doubt the system. Yeah. And I hope you can understand my skepticism, but I'm not... I believe it, I just also have a little thing in the back of my head going, yeah, hopefully. But, mm. thank you. Yes, thank you. For not being a piece of shit. Thank you for, like, recognizing that you're animators who are, I mean, I don't want to, like, make a contest of it, but who are undoubtedly, like, one of, if not the most important crew that you have here because of it being an animated movie. Thank you for recognizing that they're freaking adults <laughs> and human beings. <laughs> yeah. So that's that that makes me feel happy. Mhm. What else? What else? You know, for, for as much as I said the film from the trailers felt Spider-Verse-esque, mm -hmm. once it's in motion and once you get like the full scope, it really feels unique. Oh yeah. Everything's kind of crooked. Mhm. Mm All the humans are ugly. <laughs> yeah, they are. But it works. Yeah, this the film and its art style and animation style definitely has like a, a rough edge to it. But given everything about it, I think that rough edge is actually what adds to it. For a lot of people, myself included, very much described the movie from the initial trailer being kind of like a, a rough Miles Morales. But after seeing it, it's like, it, it's kind of the, like, no, I'd say it's a little bit more unique than that. I think it's, I'd say it's like inspired by, not necessarily by Miles Morales, but like kind of the art style of it, if that makes sense. But yeah, it definitely makes more, more like sense the, to the me. motion style. Yeah, like the frame rate. <laughs> Yeah, but like with with how characters move and with definitely how some of the characters look, the TMNT definitely does a lot more to make itself stand out from the crowd in that aspect. Yeah, and also it's grimier. It's a lot grimier too. This is a dirty movie. Yeah, which was kind of cool, honestly. Yeah, and I don't mean dirty in the terms of like content. I mean in terms of like this this film looks like if you if you wiped any of the structures with a wet wipe it would come away brown yeah <laughs> and that makes sense as well because it, the, the sticking point of this movie is that it follows this group of four who literally like live in a sewer and are alive because of contaminated radioactive ooze and it also makes it really funny that you know they're worried about being accepted so you guys actually kind of you, you guys are like the best looking people here if i'm honest yeah for real <laughs> It also means it's real easy to tell the people who have disingenuous problems with April O'Neil's redesign. Hmm. Because you got people going, I'm not racist, the design's just ugly. It's like, I don't hear you complaining about everybody else in this movie. Yeah. Who is also ugly. It was also ugly as fuck. <laughs> if anything, April O'Neil in this movie is one of the least off-putting humans here. <laughs> so if you got a problem... Can't help but think maybe the problem's not with what you say it is. Yeah. Kind of feel like you're the same people complaining that they made Splinter gay. Spoiler alert, they didn't. <laughs> that was a whole thing. I, I did not know that. Yeah, I'll get into it in spoilers because it does technically give something away. But I don't think it's a spoiler to say Splinter is actually not gay. Right. Not that it would matter if he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that sounds like a real frantic backdrop, <laughs> but it genuinely would not fucking matter. No, it does not I'm matter. I'm just saying it's really funny that people got wound up over this thing that turned out not to be the case, and they're still holding on to it. Actually, no, they backpedaled. That's why the April hate came back, because they mm. couldn't latch on to Splinter. Yeah, it's like, shit, we have to find something else non-noteworthy to be mad at. Can you imagine pretending to be mad about that shit just for money? <laughs> <laughs> sounds exhausting. It sounds extremely exhausting. Like, don't get me wrong, my brand of anger is also exhausting, but, like, 
Most of it's genuine. Yeah, as I say, yours is at least genuine, which some would argue doesn't make it better. <laughs> yeah. But it does make it more, or rather, less posery, I guess. <laughs> Fair. I also feel like, I, I haven't seen this yet, but I, I feel like a lot of people are going to get mad about changes that were made to certain characters' backstories. Hmm. But it doesn't fucking matter, because, like, Oh, God forbid, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise got a little fucking goofy. And some of the shit in it is just stupid. Mm. That's what it should be. I don't... It started off as a darker, edgier comic, but, like, it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, there's there's always going to be a degree of weirdness and what the hellness in there, just based off the title alone. Huh. And to speak to that, I, I want to point out, like, this movie is not, like I said, not my favorite Ninja Turtles movie, and it's, I definitely wouldn't call it a top ten of this year, because mm-hmm. it's a little overly referential. Oh, yes, it is. Like, it's weird because some of it is kind of funny, but there was a certain point where I'm just like, okay, what is with all the different references? Some of them are definitely, like, references made for the adults that are taking the kids to the movie. And I can get it coming from certain characters, but from others, it's just like, why do you... Why are you commenting on this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll get into it in spoilers, but I just looked up the release date of one of the movies they referenced, and now I feel old. <laughs> Alright. But also, to, to that point, this is going to be a weird one to say, but the movie has some really cringy, awkward moments. Hmm. But I feel like without those moments, it would be worse. Yes, because for me, the moments that stand out as being cringy and awkward and not fun are also the moments that I'm are like defined. And it's like, yes, these are literal teenagers. Because I replayed in my head as like, in fairness, if I was like that, some of that is probably stupid crap that I said. <laughs> A lot of it sounds like things that teenagers would say. <laughs> So it fits. It, it yeah. fits very well. They also do a pretty good job making the turtles feel distinct. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, they, they all have their defined roles in Ninja Turtles mythos. Raph's the fighty guy, Mikey's the party guy, Donatello's the smart guy, and Leonardo's the leader. But I feel like they did a much better job with Leonardo than some other adaptations do, where they actually... He he's the quote unquote leader, but he's also kind of neurotic, and he's kind of a doormat. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Yeah. If anything, I feel like Mikey doesn't necessarily feel the most distinct. Mm-hmm. Probably because they're all sort of gung ho, well meaning troublemakers. <laughs> so he doesn't stand out quite as much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Donatello, like they re- they toned down his intelligence a little bit and made him more nerd than genius. Yeah, I, I definitely caught that vibe. But on the flip side, it, it works, because, you know, why why would he have high-tech skills, considering? Mm-hmm. Where would he get that opportunity? And then Raph, Raph is my favorite Ninja Turtle. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I'm I sure can... <laughs> you can guess why. I can definitely guess why. It's not a problem! <laughs> <laughs> and April's good in this. April's, yeah, April's a good time in this. Because, you know, she's been aged down a bit. Mm-hmm. So they, they had to work with the journalist angle and kind of touch that up. Mm-hmm. Because she can't, you know, she can't be working for an established news network at this point, obviously. Right. Splinter's good. Splinter's definitely a good time. Splinter's really good, and I like what they do with him in this movie, and I like the changes they made, which I'll get into. I feel like that's more of a spoiler. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like this interpretation. <laughs> and I like that they play the fact that he's older a little more realistically, I think, than some other adaptations. Yeah. While still having him do some exaggerated ninja shit. <laughs> Villains are all good. Villains are enjoyable. They're kind of one note, a lot of them, but, I mean, there's a lot of them, so... Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing because it's like... I feel like it's... Actually, no, I don't really want to get deep into it just because I feel like it's kind of spoiler spoilery anyway, so I'll just abstain for right Probably now. Probably is. Yeah. You got anything else that's not a spoiler, you think? Uh, I don't think so. Hmm. All right, in that case, uh, definitely go see this movie. This is a fun time. Yeah, this is a very fun movie. If you have kids, bring your kids. I'm sure they'll have a great time as well. This is a worthwhile Ninja Turtles entry. Mm-hmm. It definitely does some real justice to 
the legacy of the turtles, it provides a spin that I don't think we usually get from them. Mm-hmm. Because it really does, it really plays up the teenage angle of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I like. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, interestingly, uh, they're already, they, they have announced that they're developing a sequel. Oh, okay, cool. And there's going to be a two-season series on Paramount Plus that's going to sort of bridge the films. And that part kind of has huh. me going, eh, I don't know about that, but... Yeah. I guess we'll see. Anyways, like I said, this is definitely worth checking out. Definitely worth bringing the kids to if you got them and you like showing the Ninja Turtles. It's, it's gross, though. It's a gross movie. <laughs> so, maybe don't bring your younger kids. Yeah. And if you don't want to get spoiled... Sorry. Yep. No, it's fine. I, can, I, I know exactly what you're thinking of right now. And now I'm thinking about it, too. Never, and now it's just playing in my head. I will never be able to hear that song the same way ever again. Anyway, if you don't want to get spoiled on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, <laughs> click away in three, two, one. So the thing we were both, uh, Greg was laughing about, and I'm internally chuckling about, because I had to, I had to get through my sentence, is this April O'Neil has really bad stage, stage fright, fright when she's on camera. Yeah. To the point where she's ostracized from school, or at school, because she tried out for the news team, you know, the morning. one that reads the announcements, the morning yeah. announcements team. Yeah, yeah. And... Her stage fright got so bad, she basically started projectile vomiting, <laughs> and then it got turned into a meme, where it was like, it went viral, it was on TikTok, and it's all set to Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield, <laughs> which is not a song I ever expected to hear in this movie. Well, what makes it funny is that it's, that whole bit is a moment of very good comedic timing. Because they're, she's talking about it with the turtles and kind of going over the story of how she got the name of being Puke Girl in the movie. And the turtles like go, oh, you did not. And April just goes, I did. And there, there's like a half second pause and then it shoots and it cuts from, because I didn't think they were actually going to show it. But then it Me cuts. Neither. But then it cuts to her projectile farming, and you just hear or projectile vomiting. You just hear, "Feel the rain on your skin." <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps, it keeps looping. Yeah, and it keeps the, going. It's the fucked up part. <laughs> they loop that same bit over and over again. <laughs> that was really funny. And I thought it was great because it's one of those things where it's like, "Unwritten" is a song that I'm not going to say I dislike it. But it's a song I would say I, in a general sense, don't necessarily care for. Like, it'll never be, like, something that I immediately pick. Just because it's a song I've heard way too much of. And, boy, howdy now. <laughs> Man, I remember having Radio Disney as a channel on my TV, and that mm -hmm. song came up quite a bit. Oh, no, when I had, a when I had like, an actual, like, AM, FM radio in my room when I was a kid. Like, I had a boombox that had AM, FM radio. That was all Ooh. it was set to. Yeah, it was. I, I very much, like, did not use that boombox to its fullest potential. That makes me sad. Yeah, I bet. Adult. But that was always what it was set to, was Radio Disney, for way too goddamn long as well. But through that, I think that's part of the reason why I don't, like, really go for that song, because I just heard it all the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, so good. <laughs> it really is the kind of song that I forgot about until it popped up in this movie, and then I was like, oh my god! And what a way to fucking use it, too. <laughs> what a way to jog down memory lane, man. Mm, speaking of memory lane, I feel like this kind of goes into... Well, I don't know if you want to talk about how referential the movie is. So, yeah, okay, so one that stuck out to me, because, okay, I understand the Turtles making a bunch of references, because they've been stuck underground in the sewers, so they probably do a lot of streaming, and they probably watch a lot of movies. Especially since, like, their big thing is that they want to experience what life is like for humans. I don't know why. Yeah. Um. <laughs> one, of the, one of the first things they do in the movie is they sneak out to go watch an outdoor movie viewing of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So... <laughs> I understand them doing it, but there's a bit where April's talking about Superfly's plans, and she calls it real Megamind stuff, and yeah. I'm just going, that movie, I looked it up, that movie came out in 2010. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> if we assume this is set in 2023, mm -hmm. that movie is 13 years old. I'm not saying it's impossible for you to know about it, but I feel like you'd reference something else. For me, what did it was, I think it's one of the Turtles references Hey Arnold. 
And on one hand, that does make more sense because Hey Arnold is definitely like aimed at that age group. But on the other hand, Hey Arnold hasn't been a thing for like what, like fifteen years as well. No, they they had the Jungle movie recently. Did they now? Yeah, they had the movie where Arnold finds his parents. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it was a made-for-TV film. It came out in, like, it, oh, that was six years ago. Well, the point still <laughs> remains... Look, the point still remains, it's not 15 years old, okay? Fair, fair. It's just, everything with that series is just, like, I remember that distinctly from me being in elementary school. Like, See, the... that one, that that reference twigged for me in a different way. It's not, hey, Arnold is too old, it's, oh, right, this is a Paramount movie. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That, cause... Like when Spongebob shows up in Times Square and Splinter's flashback, it's like, yep, yep. Okay, Paramount, they own Nickelodeon, yep. Yeah, because okay. when you mentioned that, I was like, okay, you know what, that does make more sense, because it, it is a Nickelodeon film. But Megamind is DreamWorks. Yeah. <laughs> that one got me. I know I know it's a nothing of a thing, but like the movie's full of stuff like that, and after a while it starts to get a bit much. For me, <laughs> for me, the one that did it, that I feel like is a reference to her, I'm like, in my brain I'm going, I should be pleased about this, but I feel annoyed by it. Is, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah, it's where, um, so the, the main crux of the movie is that they're trying to stop Superfly, the main antagonist, and part of the plan is to kind of come to a meetup with Superfly, pretending to be some hitman that they, that Superfly hired, and they show up in, like, their van that has the stolen materials that Superfly is looking for, and, which one is it that's driving? Donatello. Donatello's driving, and they all go, it's like, hey, Donna, you're a really good driver. It's like, well, all those hours in Forza Horizon paid off. I'm just like... Oh. I looked at you at that one. <laughs> I, just... I, I just glanced over at him like, have, do, do you have any thoughts? I was just like, fuck off. <laughs> I, think I, I think I asked, like, quietly, of course, Is it, what, what do you think, that track? And I was just like... <sighs> I don't know, Forza Horizon is a series where it can be realistic, and it is pretty realistic as far as how cars drive, but the game goes out of its way to encourage you to do a lot of stupid shit with cars. <laughs> so for them to say Forza Horizon, I was just like, this is literally the game that has you drive a parade float and jump it off the side of a mountain. Like... <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> so... I like what they do with Splinter here, where he previously did not have any knowledge of ninjutsu or anything like that. He's not a man mutated into a rat. He's not the pet of a man who knew ninjutsu, who studied it. Mm-hmm. He's just a regular rat. Yeah. Where in New York, everybody was trying to kill him, and his only friend was a cockroach named Kevin, who he ate after he was stepped on. <laughs> Tragic. Very. So he ends up finding the turtles, gets mutated, and there was a point when the turtles were all babies where he tried to bring them up to the surface because they were clearly fascinated by it, and everybody starts freaking out as soon as they figure out he's a rat, and they all start trying to attack him, and it almost ends up with some of the tur- one of the turtles being hit by a bus or something. Mm-hmm. So he is very adamant that the surface world is never going to accept them, and that fear kind of informs how he's he's, he's he, he, he's stock sitcom over protective dad yeah well stock animated movie over protective dad yeah but it's done well because you can tell it's it, it doesn't feel abusive it feels like it's from a genuine place of look i know firsthand i have seen this happen mm-hmm. and you can tell he's working through some shit yeah, and you can also tell that it's it's not because they rejected him. You can tell it's he's genuinely afraid of something happening to his boys. Oh yeah, which is so sweet. Yeah, very, and it's in. I mean, for what it's worth, something almost did. <laughs> yeah, and you can tell because he tries so hard to make things fun for them. Mm-hmm. Like when he throws them the surprise party with the cardboard cutouts and just. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's like freaking like, oh god almighty! I saw those, and they're just regular cardboard cutouts too. They're not the same design style as the rest of the people. It's just regular cardboard cutouts of celebrities. Yeah, like it was. Uh, I want to say Chris Pine. Yeah, Chris Pine. Why am I blinking on these? Because it's like. <laughs> 
But, it, like, this point still stands, like, when those cardboard cutouts popped up, I, like, audibly gasped. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, they did fuck, they fucking did not. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, as I say, I think it was Chris Pine. I want to say one of them was also Chris Evans. I think so. Yeah. I can't remember what the the third one was. <laughs> Me neither. So, I, I really like the other mutants in this. They, 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 they kind of wasted Baxter Stockman, though. What a waste of Giancarlo Esposito. Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, to, to be fair, it's my understanding Stockman has a habit of cheating death in the in other mediums, so he could still come back. Mm-hmm. But, no, I like Superfly's motivation. I like that he's a dark mirror of Splinter where something bad happened to his family and he cannot come back from it. Mm-hmm. And he is confident that the world is never going to accept them. Which Splinter kind of bounces off at one point because there's a certain time where he realizes like oh shit i'm you this is what i I sound like yeah it's like i'm you and i really don't want to be you (laughs) because it's it's when because they both use the line at one point the only way you'll be safe is if you listen to me Mm -hmm. and that's when splinter realizes oh shit i'm this guy yeah i don't want to be this guy (laughs) this guy sucks (laughs) and like you can tell because superfly also takes a parental role of a sort or like an older brother figure style toward the rest of the mutants under his care but it's in a very self-serving, much more manipulative way. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the crew is also great. Yeah. Because you got, what, Bebop, Rocksteady, Genghis Frog. Mondo Gecko. Mondo Gecko, who's amazing. Yeah, introducing Paul Rudd. <laughs> but people's, they got to go. Yeah. <laughs> you got Wingnut, you got Leatherhead scumbug who okay so you you, you want to know where the whole splinter is gay controversy came from mm-hmm. paramount had character posters for the mutants and the one for scumbug said and scumbug as himself mm-hmm. and apparently the people working on the movie were very upset with this because a it's inaccurate apparently scumbug is a she but b they were mad that details were getting potentially spoiled mm. so paramount pulled all the posters but the usual suspects latched on to the poster calling Scumbug male, and the fact that Splinter and Scumbug end up as a couple, which is as heartwarming as it is grotesque. It's extremely and grotesque. <laughs> it's so beautiful, but so internally, gross. yeah, <laughs> not on the outside. Yeah, very much so. But no, everybody was like, "Oh, they made Splinter gay." What is this horseshit? It's like he's not even gay. Yeah, and also he's a he's a. Anthropomorphic mutated rat! What do you give a fuck? <laughs> He's dating a giant fucking monster cockroach, and your problem is the cockroach's gender? Yeah. What the fuck? It's like, this is where you cross the line. This is where it is for you, huh? Mm. This is the line. Yeah, this is the line. <laughs> Good to know! You fucking weirdos. Yeah, for real. Jesus. So, some of the jokes in this movie don't land. Mm-hmm. One of which that they insist on is Splinter going, the human world isn't safe for you. They will milk you of your blood. And <laughs> they keep using that exact terminology, and it's, A, it's uncomfortable, which might be part of why I hate it. But also, it ends up turning into a whole thing where they get captured by, what's it called, TCRI? Yeah. The whatever research institute's responsible for the mutagen functionally. And Cynthia Utram, who is probably an alien... Right. Uh, yeah, the Utrams are you know Krang. It sounds familiar. The pink, the pink brain looking alien. Oh, from yeah. Turtles. Krang is an Utram. Oh, okay. So Cynthia Utram may very well be an alien in a human suit. Hmm. But anyway, she catches the turtles. Also insists on calling the extraction of their blood milking, and even has a machine to do it called the Mega Milker Four Thousand. And I'm just like. <laughs> I get it, this is an uncomfortable term, but, like, fuck. Yeah, you know what, I will be Extractor? honest. Extractor? Never occurred to you? Yeah, I, I will be honest. I kind of figured, with how much they were talking it up, it's like, okay, I feel like this is going to be, like, the callback joke of the movie. I just don't know how they're going to do it or how they're going to write it. And that when they did I was just like, all right, not going to lie, that's the only part of this that I'm, like, genuinely a little disappointed by. <laughs> yeah. That just, that it did not really land for me. Yeah. This would have been a really good time to teach kids about exsanguination. <laughs> That's a $5 word. Thank you. 
I almost said I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a fucking lie. Okay, I was gonna say, it's like, I swear to God, if I fell for this ag- again. No, no, I just felt like, I just felt like lying. But, <laughs> okay, you know what? Uh, on the flip side, though, the joke that had me in stitches and that I also wasn't sure I hadn't completely made up. Mm-hmm. There's a whole, like, couple of minutes that's just the four turtles doing variants of, let's get that bacon, egg, and cheese, and they just keep coming up with different ways and inflections and new syllables to drag out on bacon, egg, and cheese. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating. (laughs) It's, it's entrancing. It's, Mm. it's just like the most awkward fucking thing I've ever seen in the best way possible. (laughs) That was the bit, like, when I saw that in the theaters, I was just like, I, I kind of, don't like this this is annoying and stupid and i i read up again like just to reaffirm it's like oh wait that's right they did just literally put all four of them in a room at multiple points and just take away the script and say just 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 talk and it's like and that's why a lot of the like a lot of the cringy stuff in this is necessary and it makes it better because it actually makes the it it sells that they're teenagers that they're doing this stupid shit yeah like once i was random of that i was just like oh Oh, that's right. Oh, that makes so much more sense now. Okay, I don't hate this anymore. <laughs> so I asked in the theater, and I forget the res- response, and also I don't think I asked when the movie was done. How much of Superfly's dialogue would you say is just reference to Ice Cube songs? I feel like a good bit of it is. Neat. I couldn't tell you like which songs exactly. I know there was one, and I'm pretty sure it is actually just a line from one of his songs. Hold well, on. I know Six in the Morning, Police at My Door is one. Yeah. Police at My Door. And it is, oh yeah, because that is a song, or that is a lyric from a song by Ice Cube, or by Ice-T, rather. <laughs> Wait, literally, what? Yeah, literally called Six in the Morning. Okay. Yeah, so I guess that's an, I guess Ice Cube's character is supposed to be like kind of a general constant reference to hip-hop which is cool i enjoyed that a bit there were definitely times where i felt like in the same way that seth rogan just told the teenagers just like just go at it and talk and basically i feel like at more than one point seth rogan just went to ice cube was like all right i need you to kind of be yourself like from your old songs but turn yourself into a saturday morning cartoon villain (laughs) you know what's actually really nice about this movie Mm mm-hmm all the other mutants end up siding with the turtles. Yeah, and it and it feels justified too. I did not expect that. What I I figured they were all going to stay bad until about the point where honestly the about the point where uh some of the tur- some of the mutants are being nice trying to stop the turtles from stopping Superfly's plan. Mhm. Like when Wingnut goes Guys, you gotta give us a device now. Superfly is gonna be right here, and he is not going to be as nice about this. You're not being nice. He'll be worse! <laughs> so, that was the moment where I thought, okay, maybe some of them will turn. Because yeah. I also knew that Leatherhead, at least, is usually an ally of the Turtles. Mm-hmm. So then I started thinking there would be a split, you know? And, like, Mondo Gecko, Leatherhead, Ray Filet, Wingnut would turn. And then, like, Bebop, Rocksteady, maybe Genghis Frog would stay with Superfly. But no, they because Bebop and Rocksteady are notorious villains in yeah. the Ninja Turtles. Like, they usually work for Shredder, I think? Mm. But the point is, they're, they're recurring antagonists. So them turning over a new leaf and also moving into the sewers with everybody, that was nice. Yeah, that was really cool. And also, you know what? I like the fact that the Turtles openly get to be heroes. Oh yeah. No, that was pretty cool too. And you got a nice parallel when Splinter's trying to help save them, and then he gets knocked down, and people start approaching him, and you think it's going to be a repeat, and even he starts flinching, and the first guy's just like, hey buddy, do you need help? And it's like, aww. Oh yeah. And it's all thanks to April, you know, announcing that, no, most of these mutants, it's only the big guy who's the problem, the rest of them are all cool. That was really sweet. And I, but it's it's one of those things like okay I'm one and then she I, barfs on the desk and <laughs> she barfs on the desk and I like how she tries to write it off too. was like sorry I I thought I had it under control but I guess a little bit just came out I don't know it's like one of those things where I don't want to like kind of be like pick, picky with what is essentially like a family movie and all that but part of my brain did kind of go it's like yep that's all it took to take away human prejudice 
a teenage girl saying the right thing over the news out of nowhere while also puking on a desk. Yeah, they'll <laughs> totally. Yeah, people will totally believe it if it's on the news. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about that was great. I'm not trying to say that to take away from the movie, but that was one part where my citizen couldn't help but show no, it we had. No, <laughs> same. Like, it, it is not a knock against the movie. I'm glad they went with that, because I actually would have been very sad if it hadn't worked. Mm-hmm. But boy, howdy, it just makes me feel worse about our actual world. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Couple of, couple of good lines. Mm-hmm. I can't live a happy life knowing your faces are the last thing I'm going to see before I die. <laughs> and that is why I love Raphael. <laughs> he comes around on it. Oh, y- y- yes, he does. And also, don't cuz me, man. <laughs> yeah, I had a really good time with this. Oh, yeah, this movie was good. Oh, also, yeah, another thing from, another spoiler thing regarding Splinter, the fact that he does manage to kick some ass to help save his boys, but also he gets tossed around a bit, throws out his back once or twice. Yeah. Has to improvise with stuff that he's using specifically because he is getting up there. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Yeah, I did enjoy that they're like, he's skilled, but he's also old, and there are and he has limitations. Yeah. I was very surprised no Casey Jones. Yeah. That was definitely a shock as well. That's probably more of a sequel thing, though, I guess. And it would make sense. I don't know if Casey typically goes to high school, but I guess it would make more sense for him to show up as a side character there. Right. Also, cannot stress enough, this didn't need to go in the spoiler section, but I cannot stress enough how much I love that this Ninja Turtles movie had basically nothing to do with Shredder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I like Shredder, but... It's like how not every Superman movie needs to be about Lex Luthor, and not every Fantastic Four movie needs to be Doctor Doom, you know? And not every Batman movie needs to have the Joker. It doesn't fucking stop him, though! Yeah, no, it doesn't. That's not fair, I shouldn't say that. A lot of Batman movies don't actually have Joker in it, it's just, you know, he's in every... He's in all the movie franchises, which is understandable, I suppose, but also, like, fuck! Mm-hmm. He did not need to be in the Batman. <laughs> you could've left him out. Right. Ugh. But then Shredder shows up in the in the post credits. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's just an asset they can hire because Utrom still wants the turtles. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Oh yeah, same. It seems promising. Whatever they have in mind, especially if this movie in itself was anything to go by. Yeah. This was a really fun time. Mm-hmm. You got anything else? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, in that case, thanks so much for listening, everybody. I already did the spiel, so I'm going to save it. Next week, we actually do have an option that isn't the last voyage of the Demeter. Which is? It's called Jewels. Oh, what's that? Uh, The synopsis says, A man's quiet life gets upended when a UFO crashes in his backyard in rural Pennsylvania. As he befriends the mysterious extraterrestrial, things start to get complicated when two neighbors discover it, and the government quickly closes in. Hmm, okay. So... That's an option. I'm probably going for Last Voyage of the Demeter because I love me some Dracula. Fair. Nothing will keep me from some Dracula. <sighs> How long is the movie? That might keep me from some Dracula. <laughs> yeah, as I say, what's the movie's runtime? Because Jules is apparently only an hour 30. Hmm. Last Voyage of the Demeter is like an hour 59, so two hours isn't bad. I might go depending on initial reception. Yeah. I'll let you know. Hmm. In any case, thanks so much for listening, everybody. This has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye!